You're listening to the Ascent Archive, a podcast of oral histories with rock climbers collected by the University of Utah and produced by the J. Willard Marriott Library. I'm Tali Kasuchi, librarian, rock climber, and oral historian. And I'm Rachel Whitman, and I'm also a librarian. For decades, memory workers, including historians, librarians, and archivists, have conducted oral histories to document life experiences of notable groups of people. These oral history transcripts and sometimes their accompanying audio and video are kept in the archives of libraries and museums around the world with varying degrees of access. This podcast, focusing on interviews with rock climbers, is an innovative approach to make oral histories more accessible and easier to listen to on the go or at faster speeds. The Ascent Archive podcast features oral histories that I conducted for the Rock Climbers Oral History Project and others from the American West Center's Ever Al Cooley Oral History Project. To find out more about these collections, visit the Ascent Archive website, which is included in the show description. You're about to hear an oral history that is unedited. Please excuse possible interruptions, sound quality issues, potentially outdated or offensive terminology, and the occasional curse word. In this episode, we'll hear from Jacinda J.C. Hunter. J.C. started climbing at the Rock Garden in Provo, Utah, and climbing outside after graduating from high school. J.C. recounts her first ascent on Fantasy Island and the first female ascent on Breaking the Law. She also discusses being a female-sponsored athlete and her love for deep water soloing. We hope you enjoy this episode. Good morning. It's... November 23rd, 2022, I'm Tali Kasuchi, and I'm talking with Jacinda Hunter in Salt Lake City about rock climbing. So to get started, Jacinda, will you introduce yourself and tell me about where you were born and what it was like growing up? Awesome. I'm Jacinda Hunter. I go by JC, like the initials. Um, I grew up in Wenatchee, Washington until I was about 10, and I moved here to Utah. Um... When I was younger, my dad was really into backpacking, so I grew up kind of backpacking in the Cascades of Washington at a really young age, Um, but he wasn't into rock climbing or anything like that. Um, And years later, actually, he told me a funny story. So one time he was back when he was a young, young buck, backpacking in the Cascades, kind of trailblazing. There wasn't like a lot of people out there doing that. He thought he was kind of a badass, so to speak, and early one morning, he's up in the middle of Cascade somewhere, he heard voices, and he was like, what? Who else is up here? You know, like, what? And he gets out of his tent, and he looks across, like, I think the lake or something, on their side there was a tower, and he sees people climbing this tower, and he's like, oh, they're the real badass. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's kind of a funny story that um, I eventually got to rock climbing. He never did, but I started climbing when I was 18, um, I just had a friend that was into it. I just graduated high school and was like, hey, you want to come to the gym? And it was this little tiny gym with the old Tiva rubber in Provo, Utah called the Rock Garden. So that's kind of where I started and then went outside and, you know, learned how to um, clean my first route at the top of the route <laughs> with my belayer yelling instructions up, never having seen or done it before. <laughs> so I feel like things are a little safer now. Like people are a little more, they learn in gyms that are, you know, a little bit more structured and they get like 
I was kind of just thrown into it. That was my, you know, like, here's how you clip, go lean, you know, here's how you clean her out. All right, I'll yell, I'll yell up how to do it. <laughs> Which is, I'll never forget it because I was at Chuck Wall Wall in St. George and I thought, am I going to die? Like, is this safe? <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I started when I was 18. And then um, I got married pretty young at 19. And had my first son um, within that year. So right before I turned 20 when I was still 19. And so I took a break from climbing when I was pregnant. Kind of right at the end. And then got back into it after he was born. Um, climbed my first 513 shortly after. Or no, was it before? Sorry, that was before he was born. And then again after he was born. Um, but then I got pregnant again. And at that point, I took like a six-year hiatus because I ended up having three more kids, so I had four total. And just couldn't really fit climbing into my life with being like pregnant barefoot. <laughs> like, you know, just having all these kids. Um, and so I did take a break, and I was going to nursing school. And that's when um, I was graduating from nursing school, and I had my last kid. And was just excited to get fit again, get working out. My husband built um, a little, like, training system wall in our basement. So I started training on that, and then we started coordinating our schedules so we could take turns getting into back into the climbing gym and just bouldering and getting back into shape. And once we were back, once we started back into it, it was just kind of like no looking back, you know. And we just made it work with the kids and, like, dragging them to the crag. And, <laughs> like, their life was spent a lot outside, you know, with Chinese stars and throwing knives and, like, whatever can entertain a kid that's fun <laughs> in the desert <laughs> or wherever. Um, and that, so that's kind of, I guess that's how I got it back into it. Um, yeah. What was the rock garden like when you first started going to that gym? Such a tight-knit little group of people. You know, I don't think the gym made very much money. You'd have, like, your occasional, like, BYU students or college students, you know, that would, like, come and pay to climb for the day. But it was a much more, you know, the, the group of climbers that we were hanging out with and climbing with on a regular basis and, like... um Jeff Pedersen's little shop was right connected to it, the little climbing shop. Um, it was a pretty close group of front friends. Like everybody would meet up Saturday morning at eight thirty at the coffee shop, and then we'd all go climbing together. You know, it's kind of like a really close knit community, which was fun. Mm -hmm. And then when you'd meet a new climber, like you'd be at a crag somewhere, and you'd meet some random climber from some other state or maybe from Utah you'd actually be interested in getting to know them because there weren't very many climbers. And now you pull up to the crag and it's like, oh, there's so many cars, there's so many people. <laughs> you don't want to find, you want to find somewhere away, you know, but. <laughs> we used to actually like to meet other rock climbers and now we're like, you know, oh. <laughs> there's so many. <laughs> Who were some of those friends that you were climbing with that you um, started? Funny enough, my partner now uh, met, 20 plus years ago he was one of my good good climbing partners for years um before my divorce and before we started dating um Aaron Bolschweiler and Andy Knight and 
Jim Knight and um, Jeremy Brown. I don't know if he was actually the owner of the Rock Garden back in the day. Um, Yvette Young, who I think is one of your, yeah, people you've interviewed, um, Matt Nielsen. There's quite a few. There's a few that have don't climb anymore at all, you know, don't live in Utah, They've wandered off, but yeah, just a, just a good group of people that we spent a lot of time with, mm-hmm. <laughs> climbed a lot with. <laughs> Where did you go climbing? Uh, for the first outdoor experience. Oh, my very first outdoor experience. So, uh, funny enough, my very first outdoor experience was when I lived in Lane, and I was 16, and had a friend whose um, dad and brother would go climbing, and they took me out, and they set up some 510 top rope, and were like, I wonder if she could climb this, and I did, and they were like, shocked. I mean, I top roped it, but I didn't know what climbing was, Um, and that was kind of the only time I really went out. I think I went out one or two more times with them, but then... You know, I was in high school, and I was a, I was an athlete. I was a sprinter and a hurdler, so I was really into that in high school. Um, and then when I graduated, I just reconnected with a friend that had gotten into it. And I was like, oh, I've done this a couple times, so that would be fun. And, uh, yeah, so I met up with her, and we actually went to um, southern Utah. We were climbing in the VRG, um, but, like, on a 5.9, you know. <laughs> yeah, I think there's one 5.9 down there or something. <laughs> Um, and so I started climbing down there and then also, um, the sun wall when they used to have the Tyrolean that you could cross. Did they put that back up? I don't know. Um, To get to the other side of the river. So that's where I started climbing outside. And then Chuck Wall Wall was the first like time I actually tried to clean a route. Uh, (laughs) and then American Fork Canyon, Rock Canyon. So just kind of all the classic spots. Mm Mm-hmm. What was it like um, getting back into climbing after having your four children? Mm-hmm. I mean, how did you, what was that process like? Um, pretty much, I started with pull-ups, <laughs> just doing pull-ups again, and I got obsessed. I had just, like, one of those little, like, uh, hang boards, you know, where you have the different levels of crimp and a little bit of sloper and this and that. So I get grab got the hangboard and just started doing pull-ups and I started adding weight to the pull-ups and then the system wall that my husband built in, in the basement, I just go up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down um, as many times as I could till I got pumped out. And then once I started going back to the gym and we started fitting that back into the schedule, bouldering made sense because it was obviously like the quickest. I didn't have to find a partner. I could just kind of like fit it in in between class or, you know, going home. So, which was really good because, um, I think that's, it really helped get my strength back just by bouldering. So I was really into bouldering in the beginning and then, um, and then got back into routes. And once I got back into routes, I was just kind of like, that's my true passion. I like bouldering and I, you know, I enjoy bouldering trips and going bouldering, but, um, I, I love climbing routes and now that I'm older, I definitely prefer routes. I feel like every time I boulder, I'm like, oh, I'm injured. Like, oh, shoot, that hurt, you know? Like, my body can't take landing on my feet. Even in the gym, like, if I drop from the top, I'm like, oh. I have a back issue, so I'm just like, cut those aches and pains. Um, so, yeah, pretty much bouldering got me back into it. Um what about route 
climbing is so appealing to you? Well, when I work a hard boulder problem and I get it, it was, it was a great feeling. But most of the time, it kind of was anticlimactic almost because it just happens so fast. Like one day you just stick the move, you know, and then it's like, oh, I did it. But somehow like doing a hard route is like blood, sweat, and tears. It's just like your whole heart and soul. It takes so much more energy and you may get through like the crux or the hard part and then you still have however far to go. And I've fallen like on the easier sections of climbs before, like many times just, yeah, just cause you're pumped. And so I feel like clipping the chains of a route is like, you really had to keep your shit together. <laughs> you really had to keep it together. You really had to stay focused. And it just took like everything I had, you know, every ounce of energy, every ounce of focus, like it all had to come together perfectly to send that route. And so at the end, at the end of a hard route, it's kind of like, wow, that was, that's a good feeling, you know? Are there any climbs that you remember really fondly that entire process that you're really proud of today? Yeah, I would say like my two hardest climbs, which were Fantasy Island and Breaking the Law. Um, Fantasy Island was like a couple seasons and I kept falling at the top, like at the very last hard move, like multiple times and uh, <laughs> so many times. <laughs> and it was a route that no one had ever done before. So it was fun to get to name it and rate it. And um, yeah, just kind of be the first one to show up and like really give it an effort. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was pretty cool. I think that was probably my most memorable cause I, I spent the most time, um, on that route and getting mm -hmm. that route when I finally sent it cause I had worked on it in the fall and then it got really cold in the winter. And I tried to go up a few times like in the winter, but it was just, you know, ice. And then I went in the spring a bit. Um, and then had a surgery actually, and then came back after the surgery and, um, did it in July, which is crazy. It's like the worst time to climb in that canyon. But I had a really good climbing partner, and we'd show up at like 5 a.m. It was still pitch black out. And at 5 a.m. in the canyon, it's still it's chilly. It's real chilly. So we have on our puffies, and we'd use our headlamps, and we'd hike up to the crag, and we'd start warming up with our headlamps on. And then we would uh, work on my route for a bit, and then it wasn't his project. So then once I gave my route, you know, some solid burns, then we'd head over to hell and we were done by like 10 or 11 in the morning. And it was awesome too. Cause I hated, I loved climbing, but I hated it being like 100% my focus. Like it never was. I always wanted to, I didn't want to drag my kids to the crag all the time. You know, that was mostly like when we were out on road trips and whatnot, but I wanted to get back home because I wanted to hang out with my family and see my kids. So like a 5am start was perfect. And so that's actually when I sent the route. It's one of those early, early mornings mm -hmm. in American Fort Canyon in the middle of summer. Got home by 10 or 11. Play <laughs> <laughs> with my kids. <laughs> That's neat. Uh, uh, did you have other people who were trying it with you, or was it mostly just having uh, people on support duty? It was, I had some friends that were doing the route next to it, Love Island, or I know what's that one called? Love Boat. <laughs> Those old 80s shows is what they were. Why I named it Fantasy Island because that's the that's the 80s show that was around during the Love Boat era. I don't know if you know that, but <sighs> there's this old 80s show called The Love Boat and then Fantasy Island was like, that's the plane, that's the plane. <laughs> Anyways, 
So it's named after a television show. Um, and I had a couple friends that were working, Love Boat. And then I had a couple friends that were getting on it with me, working moves and stuff. Um, but I don't think it was like their primary focus mm-hmm. by any means. Mm-hmm. And Isaac Caldero is actually the person that introduced me to the route. Um, and I went to lay him on it. And he was working on it, um, but then he was taking a trip to Europe. And I was like, well, if you're taking off to Europe, you're going to be gone. Do you care if I, like, this looks fun, you know, and I give it a go? And he's like, yeah, totally. So he's the one that introduced me to it. Um, and then Isaac never went back to it, so mm-hmm. at least as far as I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What did you what, what did you really like about Fantasy Island that made you want to stick and put in the time to do it. I love, I liked kind of like bouldering on a rope, so to speak. And it gave me that, it was definitely like, I mean, that was the style, that's the style too, and like hell, or like, you know, these shorter routes that are, you know, they're not real long, but they're real bouldery. I enjoyed that. And so I really like the movement. I, I will say that like, when you clip the chains on that route, in my mind, I was like, you know, if this had just like, 30 or 40 more feet of really stellar, like, climbing, this would be amazing. You know, it'd be, like, world-class. Super rad. (laughs) So it always kind of disappointed me, though, when it ended. Like, oh, man, I wish it went on a little bit, a little bit further. It'd be really cool, but Mm -hmm. there it works, you know, a little chassis, so. (laughs) (laughs) And I just wanted to do, like, the hardest thing I could do, so I was motivated. Mm -hmm. What did you do to prepare for Fantasy Island? I mean, I had done quite a, f- a few other hard climbs in the canyon already. Um, and I didn't really prepare. And that's the other thing. People always ask me, like, well, how do you train? Other than that, that series of pull-ups that I started with, <laughs> I was, like, getting back into shape. I've never really trained for climbing. I kind of would just go to the gym when I had time and would climb. And that was it. You know, I didn't do any other preparation or like I I was so busy being a mom and like raising kids and then I got my nursing degree and started working that it was just kind of like climbing was an amazing escape you know climbing was like this (laughs) peace (laughs) like okay time for myself something I can do that I enjoy that you know is active and fun and um, I joke because I hate cardio. I used to be a runner. <laughs> I know, like, and now I, like, hate doing it. And, and even back then, I was like, I don't want to run, so climbing's awesome. Cause I have to, like, actually do cardio that much. So I didn't really train. I didn't really do anything other than just, like, I climbed in the gym when I had time, and I climbed outside when I had time. So I didn't really prepare for it. I just saw the route when Isaac was on it, and it looked really fun. And then when I tried it, I was like, oh, this is really cool, so... I just made that my focus. Mm-hmm. And then, I, I, funny enough, after I finished that route, I took a new job, like, two weeks later. And it was a really typical, like, eight to five administrative job. In wasn't a nursing position at all, actually. Um, and it made really good money. It was, you know, it supported my family really well, but it... It was like the last hard thing that I did outside because I did that job for seven years and I just, I either would have to have spent my weekends, like I said, you know, like away from my kids 
focusing on my own things or spending as much time as I could with my kids. So I really just, at that point, then started climbing in the gym. So I just didn't have as much time to be outside and to go outside and, like, focus on a project. And now my youngest is graduating high school. And I'm like, oh, (laughs) this is awesome. (laughs) I'm finally, like, getting my time back. And so climbing's become, again, like, a focus, you know, coming back to it. Mm -hmm. I never really left it. I think I only left it for, like, two years. Um, during COVID, I just started lifting and now I love lifting as much as I love climbing. It's a nice, like, it's a nice soreness. Like when you go, (laughs) when you get sore lifting, you're sore, but all of your joints, everything was supposed to move in whatever direction you were working out. You know, like that's like, it's all very good, healthy ways, you know, like healthy ways of moving your body. And when, like, even now, like, I'll go climbing or I go bouldering and have, like, a hard day. I'm like, oh, like, when you're sore from climbing, it's because you're throwing yourself in, like, wild directions, you know, or, like, catching a hole. Like, it puts you in the most awkward and, like, unnatural positions. That soreness from climbing is way worse than <laughs> I think other sports because you're like, oh, I don't think my shoulder was supposed to do that, you know, or, like... <laughs> There's several photos of you being, uh, I think the guidebook's had a contortionist. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Breaking the law was like that. There was this high, high, high right drop knee. And every time I get it, like I hike my foot up and then drop into this really tight, tight position. I thought, like, is my knee going to explode? Like, is it, am I going to get through this? Because, you know, like, you're just kind of, like, I'm on the precipice of, like, pushing my body to some point where it's not supposed to go. Well, it was also, I think, the toe. Oh! <laughs> it's engaged, too, in that photo. <laughs> so you just your toe by your head. It's so true. It's like, what? I do also have, like, very double-jointed elbows, so mm-hmm. sometimes in photos like that, You'll see that, and it's like, what is her arm doing? It's just just bending backwards on the underplane, you know. Did you hyperextending? Yeah. How did you find those um, positions that seem to be kind of unique (laughs) to your style of climbing? (laughs) I do like to climb with my feet in my face. Like I typically will just like hike my feet up really high, and if it feels awkward. In that moment, I feel like I know it's going to be where I want my foot to be when I hit the hold, almost. Does that make sense? You know, like, it feels weird now, but I know when I hit that hold, that's where I'm going to want to be, so. Mm. I just, I've always had that kind of weird style of climbing, but I still do it. I like it. (laughs) Use my knees, I don't know. (laughs) Tell me about breaking the law and your... Breaking the law was, like, the first 14 that I did, and... That was an amazing winter where um, my ex-husband and I were working the same job where we worked seven days on and then we had seven days off. Um, and the seven days on, we, we swapped. So one of us would work three, one would work four. Um, and then we take off. So every other week we'd take off um, down to St. George. And so we just spent the whole winter down there climbing every other week for seven days um, the very first night we went down there, we set up camp, like we camped, and it was so cold. And I remember it was like the night of the election, actually, and I got in the car and I like turned on the radio and I was like listening, like, did Obama win? <laughs> I was like, who, who 
one, you know? <laughs> and, um, and that was it. After that, I was like, no, we're not camping. This sucks. Like, I, I can't, I can't do this. So then we, um, got a hotel for the rest of the week. And then every other week we went back to the Hampton Inn in St. George, like right off of St. George Boulevard. And so we just like lived there every other week with our kids. And it was pretty fun because the staff got to know us and like got to know our kids because we were there all the time. And like years later, I went back and they were like, how are you? <laughs> they were like excited to see me because we just spent so much time at that hotel. But um, it was a really fun period in my kids' lives because I homeschooled them so they didn't have to go to school and I did not do a very good job homeschooling and I did not think that like I wasn't very regimented about like what they were studying or how often or you know what they were doing so when they started school again the next year I was like oh they're gonna be so far behind you know I just kind of thought like we really just had a really fun year and just did a lot of climbing you know like played in the desert and actually when they went back they were like miles ahead it was crazy like in math and their reading was great so I don't know maybe kids just need to spend more time outside because they were fine they did really well mm-hmm. but that was a good that was a good year and we just spent a lot of time at the black and tan and I decided well actually I didn't go there with the intention to to do that route um but I'd done a bunch of the other routes and then I was just kind of like well there's that or there's um, Old World Lullaby. And I got an Old World Lullaby, and it just didn't inspire me as much. And so I decided to work the harder out and get on um, Breaking the Law. And so I just worked and worked and worked on it. It was funny, though. After I sent it, Mike Call and Tim Kimball came out and made, like, a little video. Mike Call at the time had, like, a... They had, like, a... I forget what it was called. I mean, the internet was still fairly <laughs> budding, right? So they had, like, an online video thing that they did for climbing, specifically with, like, anyways. They posted it to that online site, and the very next week we show up, and I swear, like, all of Colorado was at the crag. <laughs> like, we had been going to this crag all winter long. Nobody was ever there. Maybe one other climber. You know what I mean? Just, like, empty, and then all of a sudden, like, we pull up and there's just like cars. It was wild. <laughs> so I don't know if I think a bunch of them had just come from the Red Rock Rendezvous or something, but a lot of strong guys were there to get on breaking along. I, I just think like a girl climbs a fourteen and they're like, well let's go get on that one. <laughs> like, must be doable if a girl did it. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know, but it was fun. There was a lot of people at the crag after that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the winter was over and we just Went back to bouldering and climbed an AF mm-hmm. and got back. Yeah, tell me about being a top-level female per, uh, climber. Mm, I wouldn't say I'm top-level. I, I don't think I ever really was. I think I just had, like, <laughs> a unique story, you know? Like, who is this girl with these four kids running around? Like, we'd set a tent up at the bottom of the crag and, like, stick the Barbie castle inside of the tent and, like, some days it was too cold and they all just want to like climb in the car and watch a movie, you know, <laughs> like that. Sometimes they climb, but I never really pushed my kids to climb. I just wanted them to do what they liked, you know. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't say that I was ever like at the top of climbing. <laughs> um, but like, it was an interesting time period. Um, 
especially then when I did Breaking the Law, because I, I do think at the time... What year was I'm trying this? to remember what year that was. Nine, mm, seven, nine, ten? I can't remember. Ten? Nine? Two thousand nine, maybe? Okay. Maybe two thousand seven. I don't know. I'm too old now, but um I think I, I think I was the third woman um to climb that grade in the United States, not in the world, but in the United States. So I think it like at that moment it's it appeared to be like an an achievable event of some kind. But it was also right as these kids that had grown up in climbing, like the Sasha, Sasha De Julians and Alex Johnsons of the world, were like breaking onto the scene. They had been like crushing, you know, in the comp world as kids growing up, and then all of a sudden they're becoming adults and they're going outside. So it was like, if I was at the top, it was very short lived. <laughs> Alex Puccio came on the scene very quickly after. <laughs> So, you know, anything that was, like, seemed pretty cool in the moment, like, got shattered. Those ceilings, those glass ceilings got shattered pretty quick. But it was awesome, you know, to see these kids, like, just coming out and demolishing, you know, just crushing. So, Mm -hmm. it was fun. What what are your thoughts on um, first female ascents and then... Uh, that's a funny, that was a big question back then, too, because when I did Breaking the Law, it was the first female ascent, and so people were like, do FFAs matter? Hey, is it still, do people still, is that still? <laughs> I don't know. I don't feel like I'm in the scene enough to even know if that's, like, a topic or not. Do people still put FFAs on, like, okay. Personally, I still think it's cool. If you're the first female to climb something, um... I, I think that's fine to differentiate that you were the first female to climb something. Why Why is that a bad thing? I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's my thought on it. I, I don't care either way, you know? Like, if someone... I don't see why someone would be upset or offended by that. Um, I don't know. Our bodies are physically different from men's. Like, we're not built the same. Um... And I don't see anything wrong in celebrating our successes. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Simple as that. Yeah. But, but when I did Fantasy Island, that was an FA. Mm-hmm. That was a first ascent. And there were so many... There was quite a few different... Like, I can't... I'm specifically, I'm not going to say. I can't remember exactly. But, like, media things that were posted. Media outlets or whatever in the climbing community that were, like... First female ascent. So when they read FA, they assumed it was wrong. Mm-hmm. And they thought, oh, they meant to put FFA. Mm-hmm. So that was interesting to kind of see on the on the other side of the spectrum. Like, oh, no, it, it wasn't a first ascent. It was a first female ascent. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, well, no, it was a first ascent. <laughs> so that was interesting. And then, yeah, just kind of the... fall out of that I guess a little bit not fall out but that's the wrong word um just people's responses you know Mm -hmm. reactions to that and assuming that it wasn't that it was printed wrong Mm -hmm. (laughs) like really Mm -hmm. that was kind of funny um for when they would change it (laughs) to FFA 
for you or friends reaching out to be like, no, you got it no, wrong? No, it was or... just a couple of things. Like, it was just a couple of things. It wasn't like, oh, like completely. Uh-huh. And it would just be people that would maybe say things to me too. Like, oh, did you get the FFA? Or was that like, mm-hmm. oh, it was the FFA. FFA. Um, so I wasn't a big deal. And I didn't care. I'm not going to like reach out and be like, you printed that wrong? You know? (laughs) (laughs) That's a funny thing for me. It's like, I never really was like super into the scene, so to speak, or like other professional climbers and what was going on in that world. Because I truly was like caught up enough in just raising kids and like doing what I could do on a day-to-day basis to stay consistent and climbing and you know, complete my own goals, that I wasn't very, I, I didn't even have a subscription to Climb Magazine, which was like super big at the time. And I, I didn't read forums. I wasn't like online, like, or any of that. I, in fact, my, someone like made me a Facebook page <laughs> at some point because <laughs> they were like, you need Facebook. <laughs> I was like, oh. And then I got really disenchanted with the whole professional climbing later because that also was like, breaking onto the scene, the whole social media thing. And so when I was first being an ambassador for different climbing companies, it was like, oh, hey, we, you know, we like what you do. This is awesome. We'll support you in this way. And that was great. Um, And then I started getting like, as time went on, like, we need you to post at least three whatever posts, you know, a month. And I'm like, I post, I don't post three a year. I was like, there's no way. And, you know, just, it all did very much become about like your brand and how you represent yourself on social media and like how many followers you have. And I honestly have despised social media since the get go. And I just could never jump on board. I just couldn't. So that was Mm. definitely like a a stepping off point for me. Mm. Like, I can't chase this rat race, you know? I don't want to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you didn't have time to either. Yeah, yeah. It just, it just wasn't, it just wasn't in my wheelhouse, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what were those earlier sp- sponsorships and partnerships? Like, how did they get established? Um, the very was- first one was Prana Climbing Clothing Company, whatever. They would pay... They would pay me like a monthly amount and then um, pay for like certain trips and things to go on, certain climbing trips. Um, and then from there it was uh, La Sportiva. I, well, actually, I take that back. I guess the very first one was 510, just a very like small thing when I had my first son. But then I stopped climbing. And so when I came back, um, Prana picked me up, La Sportiva, and then Maxim Ropes. Um, I'm forgetting. And then I went to Mammut, um, and, oh, there was also organic, the bouldering pads. Um, I forget. (laughs) (laughs) I forget. It was nice to get stuff, you know, because obviously, like, climbing here is expensive, and if you're getting a little bit here or there, money to take a trip, like, that was nice. Mm -hmm. So, that helped out. But I didn't take, like... Big trips. I've still never climbed in Europe. Um, yeah, I mean, 
had to work, you know, like <laughs> it definitely didn't pay the bills and I had, you know, cello lessons to pay for and like, <laughs> normal life to live. So climbing was really just like my hobby that I loved and I was pretty decent at it. Mm-hmm. And I just like doing it. Yeah. yeah. What were some of the trips that you got to go on with um, those um, sponsorships? I would say the funnest trip was to, um, uh, what's it called? It's in Arizona, Clear Creek. And it's this crappy little, like, water. It's, like, out on Route 64, in the middle of nowhere. It looks like there's nothing. And then all of a sudden you drive up, and there's this, like, ravine with water in the bottom of it. And it's not very deep. Like, <laughs> there's, like, you know, this thought would get, go through my head. Like, what if I like hit a bike or something like you know garbage it's like down at the bottom of this like is there gonna be a refrigerator or something like ran random piece of trash that I'm gonna land on um but the climb was amazing and it was just free deep water soloing you know free soloing over the over this creek and there was some cool petroglyphs and um we made like a little video for prana but when, before I went down, we were looking at, like, some of the climbs, and um, my husband at the time was like, oh, definitely don't do this one, and definitely don't do this one, because they were pretty high over the water. One was only 11B, and one was only 12A, but they were, they were like, no-fall zones, you know? <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, I'm not going to do that. Like, that's, that's crazy. I don't want to die or anything. But then as soon as I got there, I was having so much fun, my buddy was like, you want to get on this one? I was like, yeah. <laughs> like totally so both the climbs that I said I wouldn't get on I did both of them and um it was awesome I loved it it was amazing I got to the top of um one of the climbs and I I think I just almost started crying because I was like it was this existential moment where I was like oh my gosh like what did I just do and it was really it was just really cool experience to be out in the desert um I had to hide like well it was too far to jump even from the top so I had to hike, like, all the way to a ravine where I could, like, get back down to the water, you know, and get picked up again by the boat. So I was just, like, kind of cruising around on the top of this plateau, like, what the hell was that? <laughs> like, what did I do? But it was a really cool moment for me. So that was probably my most memorable trip. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And who were you with for that one? I was actually with Mike Call and Carrie Cooper. Nice. Carrie was also a climber with um, Piranha, so it was kind of like a joint. Mm-hmm thing that we did yeah it was it was a lot of fun that's neat yeah um did you and Carrie climb together before that trip or was it kind of just piranha being like yeah it was kind of more just like piranha <laughs> like I said I wasn't really that connected with any of the other climbers because I was busy so we pretty much met and became friends on that trip um together and then we climbed a few times after that, but she's busy too. She has kids, you know, mm-hmm. and she's, she's a lot more of a bouldering than she was, uh, sport climbing. Yeah. So I kind of stuck to the sport climbing yeah. that she focused on bouldering. The deep water ceiling was a good, <laughs> it was good so meeting ground. Yeah. It was a good, it was a good middle ground, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Oh, that's, that's neat. Um, and then, um, as kind of your sponsorships, I know you were mentioning before we started recording about having to go do events and 
um, things like that. What was that experience like? The not just the getting the free gear, but sometimes being like, oh, can you go to this event? And I did some events sometimes, but not very often, to be honest. And I was pretty clear with the sponsorships. Like, I appreciate your support, and this is what I'm capable of. And it was not being like their shoe demo girl or like I couldn't like I just so I was pretty upfront about like what what I was able to provide um Mm -hmm. and that it worked out fine yeah yeah it worked out fine so I didn't have to go put on like too many I like I I was telling you earlier I went to one of the road rendezvous and helped out um but anytime I did stuff like that or even just traveled like for the deep water sailing trip I mean it's like a whole thing to like Make sure everything that's going on with my kids is set and, you know, they have rides to ballet and, like, you know, just all that stuff. So it was not that easy to just, like, up and travel or do things. Mm-hmm. I had a really memorable trip to Rocky Mountain National Park, actually. And um, I was also really wary about leaving my kids with babysitters. I just, I don't know, I'm just a protective mom. I wasn't a helicopter mom by any means because my kids were obviously running around the desert with Chinese stars, <laughs> you know, like having fun. Um, but I was just always, you know, like I didn't have a lot of family um, in Utah or anything. So I didn't have like a, I didn't have a, a large um, resource of people, you know, that I could rely on or count on or have, you know, help watch the kids. So climbing was always a very like, with my ex-husband, and I was like, his turn, my turn, his turn, my turn. And unless we took all the kids out with us, we never really did it together, which was actually fine by me. <laughs> I really enjoyed the, I really enjoyed the time away and just having like my own space, my own kind of, um, you know, time alone or with a friend. Um, so, yeah, I just. My sorry, so I have to take rest. What was I trying to tell you? <laughs> we can delete that. Um, so one of the more memorable trips was a trip to Rocky Mountain National Park where Aaron, my my partner now, actually was watching my kids. So it's pretty funny that we're together now and he still has like pictures of my kids from like you know 18, 20 years ago, um, where we'd all be climbing together, or like he's got a, a sketchbook with my son's drawings in it from that trip where he was watching my kids <laughs> it's pretty funny that we have this old old friendship and history um together yeah but rocky mountain was really fun just because it was uh it's beautiful for one thing but the intensity of like getting up really early and you'd hike all the way up to the crag you know and then like want to pass out at twelve thousand feet or whatever 11,000 feet when you're like oh i can't breathe <laughs> and then climb all day and then hike back down. We just did it like four days in a row and then um, jumped on the flight home. And yeah, it was really. Were you climbing at the monastery or somewhere else? Uh, I can't remember. <laughs> I don't remember the names. I was terrible at that. Like, that's the one thing that my ex husband was really good for was at least he would like read the guidebooks and know where we were going. And I was like, I don't know. Or I'd be years later, like, what was the name of that climb? He's like, you did it. I'm like, I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> I just never really kept very good track. So, you know, I'm not like, I'm not going to be able to give you beta on probably even like some of my harder. <laughs> I think it just came and went, you know? <laughs> uh, uh, can you tell me about Seco Block? Oh, Seco Block was so fun. When that came out, that was so fun. The first year, um, 
that that was put on was like so new, right? Like no one had really seen that. And that was actually the same summer. So right before that Sika block is when I went and did the deep water swimming. Oh, okay. Kind of as practice almost. It was a good like how you get your head in the game with deep water swimming. But um, that first year event was like so much fun because no one had ever seen anything like it. There was a huge crowd and um, yeah, it was a good time. But I always, that first year um, I drank too much. <laughs> I drank way too much. <laughs> I think I was giving an interview or something like after the climb and I was like, <laughs> I was definitely not like your stand-up mom. <laughs> like, Don't you have kids? Like, where are they? <laughs> You're not driving them home, are you? <laughs> we just had such a good time. You know, people were just like having a lot of fun and, um, and it is scary. I mean, I think the wall is like 50 feet. And it was always so scary to me because I was like, I'm good. I felt like, I know that I'm good enough to get pretty high on this wall, but I don't know that I'm good enough to get to the top. <laughs> so I, every year I was like, oh, I'm going to take a long fall. <laughs> this is going to be terrifying. And one of the years, because they do it two days in a row, the first day is like the prelims and you get to climb the route and then the second day is like the finals. Um, and one of the years I fell real weird. I came down, landed on my back, knocked the wind out of me and it sprained my neck, like my C something, I can't even remember. I had to get pulled out by the lifeguard. Like I felt like I was drowning when I got to the surface. <laughs> the lifeguard looks at me and he's like, I'm just mouthing help because I couldn't speak or breathe. Like I was just thought I was gonna drown. He jumps in, pulls me out, <laughs> give me oxygen. I was like, Ugh. I went straight to the emergency room. Um and then they were like, Yeah, you know, you can sprain your neck, like wear this C collar thing and um take all these drugs, you know, like relax. But then I was like, why do I want to miss climbing the next day? Like, <laughs> so I still climbed in the finals. I just had like everything on board that I could, you know, like muscle relaxants and <laughs> any drugs, you know, that I could take to like kind of numb the pain. And right before I was climbing, someone was like talking to me and it, my speech kind of like slurred. <laughs> They were like, should you be climbing right? And I was like, it'll be fine. I climb better when I'm relaxed. <laughs> I did. I did okay. <laughs> but I definitely, like, I didn't like competing, um, like, in your standard, like, competition. I I would get so nervous and, like, freeze up. I hated it. Like, I did one of the years on top of the Shiloh Inn where they did, like, the bouldering comp on the top of the roof. And... Uh, it was funny that year, too, because I took last place, but then on the OR cover the next day, I was, like, on the cover. Because, <laughs> again, they're like, mom with four kids, you know, climbs in this car. But I'm like, yeah, but I took last place. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, you know, whatever. It's a cool story. So, um, so yeah, I didn't really like competing. But the sequel block was, it didn't feel as much like a competition. It was more just like, this is a really good time, you know. Mm -hmm. I think it's more entertaining, too, for the people to watch. Like, climbing is boring. You know, if you watch climbing, it's like, oh, I can't stand watching it, honestly. I think it's pretty boring. But Seco Block adds that element of, like, fear and falling and mm -hmm. fun. Mm -hmm. I wonder, do they still have the wall up there at the park? 
Did you ever climb on it when they yeah. had it? Did you like it? Yeah. <laughs> I'm asking you a question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to take my daughter up to it to have her climb on. They were like, this is terrifying. <laughs> they did not. It, it definitely feels like when you're climbing, like when you look at it, you're like, oh, that doesn't look too bad. And then once you're on it and you look down, you're like, oh, crap, this is mm-hmm. a long ways, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they, for, when it was open to the public, they didn't have the holds going all the way to the top. Mm. Probably for that reason. Probably for a good reason. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably smart. You can't you can sprain your neck. Yeah. Uh, how many years did you do I think I did a single block four or five. I can't remember. One year I had a sprained ankle pretty bad. I was injured. Um, I didn't do it. I, I think I did I know I did it four years. I can't remember if I did it five. Mm-hmm. Um, it was fun, though. It was definitely mm-hmm. a good time. Mm-hmm. I like doing the sequel block. I I am kind of a adrenaline junkie, I guess, in that sense. Like, I will do... I like to do scary things. So, <laughs> I think that's also why I was drawn to climbing, you know? And initially, it just kind of was, like, a little more thrilling, a little more excitement. Um, so, yeah, I... I do love deep water sewing. I got to do the competition in Somersville Lake in West Virginia too. And that was, that was actually probably one of the most fun. Now that I look back, I'm like, oh yeah, that was actually one of the most fun climbing trips I've ever been on. Cause it was just like a flotilla of all these boats and we were going to all these different areas in the lake. And that was a blast. That was super fun. And the lake's gorgeous and the rock is amazing. And the climbing was fantastic, and so I will say that that trip was also one of my probably up there mm-hmm. <laughs> top trips. Mm-hmm. Was that competition? What do you love about the deep water soloing? I think it's that fear, like you know, I could get really hurt, but I'm probably not gonna die. So it's like it's not you know you're not gonna die most likely. I mean, I think something really crazy would have to happen for you to die. So you're like, you know, you're going to be okay, but then you're like, but it also could really hurt when I hit the water or after I sprained my neck that one time, I was like, okay, I know that I can get hurt, but it's not going to be that bad. So it's just enough. It's just enough here <laughs> to make it fun. You know, like you're really high off the water, <laughs> but it's, it makes you focus. You know, you just kind of have to like zone in and everything else falls away it's just kind of those moments where you're like it's just like a silence you know and you just have like this it sounds so cheesy but like inner peace or something where you're just like completely in the moment with the rock and Mm -hmm. and you're climbing what you're doing with your body so it's it is like meditation I do think climbing is like meditation like that in a lot of ways like whenever you're really pumped on a route and this is why I think I tend to like route climbing more as it's like you're super pumped. Physically, your body's saying like you're done, but mentally you can just like zone in and focus and you might go two, three, four, five more moves. You know, you might get to the chains just because you're able to like find that moment where you're like Zen. (laughs) You're just completely connected. And that's where I find like the real um, love of climbing. It's just in those moments, you know, and it could be on an 11A and it could be on a 14. And that's why I think climbing is so universally great for people because regardless of what level you're at, like you can get that same experience. 
you can have that exact same feeling, you know. Mm-hmm. And you can do it at the same place. They're, you know, it's like you can't go surfing and everybody in the water is like they're fighting for like the best wave, right? But at a crack, I mean, you can have the 10A next to the 13 and you can be hanging out with your buddies and it doesn't really matter how hard you climb. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, who have been your mentors over the years or maybe people that you've admired and have learned from? I don't really have any that I can say, honestly. <laughs> I know that's so terrible. I thought about that. Um, previously, uh, mm-hmm. when you sent me the questions and I was like, gosh, I, I really can't say that I've had like a mentor or anybody that's guided me. Honestly, Two, one of the things I found um, interesting when I got into climbing is I was always very much like, oh, that looks fun. I want to try it. And it would be something way harder than I'd ever done. And I kind of feel like the climbing community at the time, with as small as it was, was very like, oh, you can't get on that. You haven't done this, 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 and this. Like, there's that whole pyramid thinking. And that's not that it's bad. It's just like... But there was, I almost felt I got a lot of opposition when I was trying to get on hard climbs. Like, people literally telling me, like, you shouldn't, you have no business being on that route, you know. And it's like, really? (laughs) The best part is, every time that happened to me, I would send the route. I mean, that just motivated me more to, you know, to try hard Mm -hmm. to do something. So, I don't feel like there was a lot of support, to be honest, in the beginning when I was climbing. I almost had to, like, prove myself. And then people were like, oh, okay, you know, I guess that's fine. (laughs) um, I had someone tell me once, I was, it was trying this 513 in American Fork Canyon. And at the time, I had only climbed 12A was my hardest route. So 12A was my hardest road point. And I wanted to get on this 513. And... Um, Which one was it? Um, it's over in oh X. I think it's been downgraded since to twelve D. At the time, it wasn't. Um, so now I think it's like twelve D in the guidebook or something. X. Mm-hmm. I think that's the one. It's in Red Corners. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's a classic. Like, um, and I started working on it, and I ended up sending it like the second day I got on it. Seven tries total, so pretty fast, you know, for a new climber. Mm-hmm. And this person had told me, like, you know, you shouldn't be on this route. What are you doing? Da 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 da. Was there when I sent the route, and I get to the top and I clip the chains and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm all excited, you know. I'm like, I'm so pumped. Like that's all I could say. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so pumped. Like I'd never felt like a pump like that intense before. Mm-hmm. And my blade partner's lowering me to the ground, and this person says to me, you want to know why you're so pumped? And I was like, why? And he's like, because you don't have a base. And that was, like, their negative response to, to mm-hmm. me sending the route. You know, it's yeah. like, we don't care that you sent it. It's like, you still don't have a base. Because I had jumped the grades. Yeah. And I think I said something like, well, apparently I don't need one. <laughs> <laughs> something snotty, you know, like but, uh, yeah, that was, so I didn't really have like a mentor and there wasn't very many like female climbers around, even in the social groups that I was climbing in. 
And like I said, I wasn't really tapped into like reading all about Lynn Hill or, you know, climbers that had came before because I was just pretty narrowly focused in my life mm-hmm. being a mom and raising kids. So I just kind of did whatever I wanted to do and told mm-hmm. everybody else to off if you didn't like it you know yeah <laughs> so I do tell kids like nowadays like in you know, so all these kids that have come up in the gym world and I'm like yeah if you want to get on something go get on it like who cares what's the worst that's going to happen you don't send the route you know you don't see the problem like and I think that's changed a lot over the years too just when I was first starting out it was like oh you're a girl and you're not you know you're not ready for this <laughs> All these guys that thought they were so strong, like, what is she doing? <laughs> oh, breaking boundaries, I guess. I mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Do you, when you climb now, do you find the community is more supportive? Yeah, you, I think or so. Or are you still getting comments like, oh. No, I think that's that. changed a lot. Mm-hmm. I think that's changed a lot. And honestly, I don't, I... The climbing community is so big now. It's just so big. I think that's the shock for me is just how many people I don't know or have never met, you know, or, like, how many people are at a crag. It's just kind of wild to see how much it's grown. But mm-hmm. I do think that um, it's it's way more supportive, especially of, like, the youth and what's happening with the youth and how strong they get and how quickly they... Um, you know, shoot up the grades, like, it's kind of, it's, it's exciting to see how the sport's grown, you know, Mm -hmm. I think the hardest part is going to be, like, access issues, and making sure that we, you know, take good care of our crags, and, um, you know, those kinds of things, but, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, definitely, um, yeah, that kind of, leads me to kind of one of the wrap-up question which is what is that what is the biggest challenge you see facing the climbing community and you can you know Intermountain West or just in general yeah I mean I moved away a year and a half ago from Utah and I do miss it so much like I want to come back (laughs) I love I love the mountains here Crowding, though, is a huge, I think is a big problem. And just like we were talking about, you know, access issues and um, people respecting the crags. And, um, you know, also recognizing that nothing's ever going to really, like, things are going to change, too. You know, like, as climbers, as a community, we have to accept that maybe sometimes our area isn't going to be available for one reason or another I mean hopefully not but like um I think as long as we do our best to respect the environment and pay close attention to those issues so that we're not you know tracking all over like desert (laughs) flora that can't be you know just things that make sense obviously and like all the work that's been done in Joe's Valley has been amazing um over the years and I think the Salt Lake Climbers Alliance has done like a phenomenal job rallying people and you know keeping those issues forefront and mm-hmm. you know creating a climbing community that's really aware of stuff like that. Um, 
other than that, I just see climbing really growing because like these gyms are just going up everywhere, right? <laughs> so like you're going to get people in cities that have no access to outside climbing now taking like their vacations to go outside climbing. So we just see such an influx and like a lot more traffic. I think that's really the biggest problem will be the biggest problem. It's just the, the areas, the climbing areas. I mean, I still feel like there's too much rock and not enough life. Like there's <laughs> way more rock out there than I'll ever have enough life to climb. But, um, yeah, like Utah's getting pretty crowded, I would say. <laughs> Yeah, what is it? What is it like um, now being in Boise, Idaho? Oh, it's kind uh, of funny. Boise, as far as like people that have moved there from, like, say, California or somewhere, where they're like, "Oh, it's so amazing." I'm gonna diss on Boise, right? Now. <laughs> <laughs> it's an awesome city. It's actually got like it's kind of like a miniature Salt Lake, and it's got like a really cool downtown. But as far as like access to, they have a lot of mountain biking trails, which is nice. But they're not, there's no tree coverage. You know, it's not like going up Park City and like these beautiful Wasatch Mountains. It's all like foothills, and then all the really good mountain stuff is like two hours away. You have the Sawtooth, and you have like McCall, and you have Sun Valley, but it's like a drive. So I think I definitely it definitely took leaving Utah to recognize how nice we have it here you know how quick the access is like great skiing great climbing great biking all outdoor things you know that we all like to do so I I didn't fully appreciate it when I was here (laughs) and I'm in Boise for I don't know how long I love my job so that's why I moved to Boise my job took me there um and so for now that's where I'll be but I'll hopefully make it back here at some point you know have you been able to find other climbers up in the Boise area, or are you still just climbing there, with your partner? And yeah, there's a there's a there's a little bit more of a bouldering community in the Boise area because route climbing isn't that accessible. It's not very good. There's a little spot right outside of Boise that's kind of terrible. So there's not really any great route climbing in the area. There's like a community of boulderers. Um, I found, though, a few um, close friends that are really into sport climbing, and there's a new gym up there that's got some, like, longer, you know, 70-foot walls, which is nice. So good training. There's good setters. Um, So there's definitely, like, a good indoor facility to train at, which I've been enjoying, but I definitely don't have the outside access Mm -hmm. like I used to. And it's very small compared to, like, obviously the climbing community here mm-hmm. <laughs> it's much different <laughs> but it's fine you know mm-hmm. I like it yeah. for now <laughs> how are you balancing uh, your work your family climbing um, other activities the last four years were tricky a little bit um when I divorced um my ex-husband he really didn't um like, we have a custody agreement, but basically my two girls have spent the last four years with me. Like, not, they see him maybe, like, once every six months, maybe. Um, so, it was interesting in that my kids were getting older, but then suddenly I didn't, 
have like a, a person there with them all the time. And so in a way it kind of tied me back down, you know, to being just wanting to be like home more and being around them. Um, but that's fine. Like every, I just kind of see life as phases, you know, and I'm super grateful that I had the time with them. Mm-hmm. And now that my youngest is graduating, um, I'm excited, you know, and I'm, I'm excited to have a lot more freedom and flexibility in my time and schedule. And I'm excited for them to be going off and starting their lives, you know, becoming adults and moving on. Um, and so, yeah, it's kind of a nice time to like reflect back. I don't regret anything. You know, I don't regret taking the job after fantasy Island and deciding that outside climbing wasn't really in my time frame. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't regret having, you know, my kids and raising my kids and, um, even my marriage that ended <laughs> in divorce. Like I think everything happens for, you know, just a way to learn and move on and go forward in life. So it's not like there's any right or wrong. It's just, it is what it is. And I'm, I'm excited to be at a place where I actually get to kind of come back to climbing. And because I had him so young, I'm like, Oh, I still feel like pretty spry. <laughs> I don't feel like I'm like too hooked. So aside from the bouldering and like my back issue, uh, I feel like I still got a few good years left in me. So it's good. <laughs> It'll be exciting. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see where it goes. <laughs> what impact do you hope to have on the climbing community? Um, honestly, I, I would hope to just inspire women to go after what they want. And, um, I think it's a great place for women too to find like great friendships, great camaraderie, like, um, and I think it's a place where we can really hold each other up and, and kind of have just this nice safe haven. I love climbing with other women, you know, like no matter how strong they climb or don't climb, like it's just, it's nice to have those um, friendships. And I think, I think it's a great outlet for that. So, um, so I think that's a good part about the gyms, you know, coming around and getting more people involved in climbing. Mm -hmm. And, um, if I can inspire someone to try really hard and go for something, um, that's what that's I'm happy you know what makes uh climbing with other women so special and different for you um if you have a close group of female friends then I think it's uh, kind of indescribable um we share like a kinship almost you know I think women's groups whether it's climbing or like whatever it is you're doing, academics or sports, um, I I just somehow find that I can, I get a lot of energy from other women. I hope I give that energy back, you know, but I somehow, I feel rejuvenated. I feel um, just an extreme amount of gratitude and joy when I'm with other women climbing and that camaraderie and that you know building each other up and just being supportive life's hard you know like 
it's there's challenges whether it's you know school work um money you know whatever it is like it's difficult and so I think surrounding yourself with people that love what you love and support support you in what you do and somehow when it's a bunch of women hanging out like there's just a good vibe (laughs) there's just a good energy so yeah I love the women's groups I love like the women's you know um, like I'm trying to remember the name of one of them it's been a while but when they put on like um you know events specifically Mm -hmm. I think it's a great opportunity to um meet other people and just experience that if you haven't you know if you don't have that find it like seek it out I think it's a I think it's really healthy and beneficial. Mm-hmm. It has been in my life. Mm-hmm. Neat. Uh, is there anything else that you'd like to share that we haven't had a chance to talk about? Um, I don't think so. <laughs> it's been really a pleasure speaking with you. And um, no, thank you so much. No, thank you. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please keep in mind that the views and opinions expressed in this interview are solely those of the oral history participants and do not reflect any views, opinions, or official policy at the University of Utah or the J. Willard Marriott Library. For more information about this podcast, check out the ascentarchive.lib.utah.edu. That's A-S-C-E-N-T-A-R-C-H-I-V-E dot L-I-B dot Utah dot E-D-U. The Ascent Archive podcast team includes librarians Tally Casucci and myself, Rachel Whitman. Special thanks to Leah Donaldson for graphic and website design, Brian Elias Hole for music, and thanks to the University of Utah Special Collections and the American West Center. And lastly, the rock climbing community for participating in these interviews and listening. Mm-hmm.